So I invite you right now, let's grab a knee if you can and let's pray for our service and we'll pray for our young folks as they head out after this worship time together. Lord God, we thank you for the light that you not only gave us so many years ago, but you continually give to us. God, you are a light unto our path. God, we pray for all the leaders and counselors and students that are about to go on this sixth grade camp. God, we pray that they would have fun. We pray that you would show them more about who you are and their plan your plan for their lives. Father, right now, as you open your word, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. God, we need you. We need you, God. We need your light. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the rites of passages when you are a young kid in our culture is learning how to swim learning how to swim. That's a big skill that you need to develop at a young age. And I remember when I was a little bitty tyke and I was trying to learn how to swim, I wanted to go into the swimming pool. Uh, my dad taught me how to swim. You know, you first you learn how to float. And then after you float, you learn how to dog paddle. You may dog paddle to your mom or dad or someone who's teaching you. And then eventually you learn how to swim just, just a little bit by yourself. And after you learn how to swim, the next summer comes around and you get to start swimming, do you remember? In the deep end of the pool. That's a big deal, isn't it? Swim in the deep end, I remember that. I could go back, get out of the pool, you smell like chlorine the whole summer, but that's okay. You've got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and bomb pops and everything is gonna be hunky-dory. Then you get older, the next summer goes around and you look out in the deep end, you notice there's this plank that's kind of adjusted right out over the water, right? The, the diving board. And you finally get the courage to walk and get on that diving board. And of course, someone is there waiting, usually your mom, your dad, they're, the, they're paddling there, you know, they're dog paddling, waiting for you to jump off of the diving board. Boom, and you do it. And then something really wild happens. A friend of yours invites you to their swim club or perhaps their country club and you go there and you see this big, gigantic pool. Not one diving board, but two. And that second diving board is what we call back in the day, the high dive. Right? Maybe you were at a lake or a camp or I don't know if it's a pool, but you saw that high dive. It seemed like it was about 100 feet in the air. And you see other kids your age climbing up that ladder and walking out and going Geronimo, right? And jumping off of the high dive. And you're wondering, can I do that? I know how to swim, I've jumped off the small dive. Can I climb up that ladder and go to the edge, right? And, and jump off the high dive and sometimes we make it up there and sometimes we don't. And the thing that stops us in our tracks is fear, right? 
Fear, that's one of the first real feelings of fear is when you're trying to do something you've never done before, you're trying to jump off the high dive. Then you get a little bit older, you get into sixth grade, seventh grade, who knows what, and you start to, to see someone in class or maybe even at church that you like. You like, you like like, and you don't know what to do. So when you see them, you go right up to their face and you ask them out, will you go? No, you don't do that. You work through their best friend, their agent. That's how we did it back in the day. And you ask the agent, the best friend, to ask them if they will go with you. That's what we called it back in the day. Will you go with me? Of course, you never went anywhere. <laughs> you never talked to them. <laughs> Maybe that's why things went so well. But anyway. <laughs> but it's tough even to get that friend to do that, to ask them to go with you. And many times I didn't ask someone to go with me because of fear, right? Fear of them saying no, fear of being rejected. And then you get a little bit older in high school and you see that plastic green or mustard yellow telephone and with a long old cord to it, someone help me out here. And there's someone in high school you wanna ask out and you just can't make your way to the phone. And what prevents you from touching that phone and picking it up and calling that person is because you are afraid. Fear is real. And I wish I could tell you that fear stops, you know, once you jump off the high dive. Fear stops once you ask them to go with you or go to the prom or whatever you're doing. I wish I could tell you that fear stops somewhere in your life. But if you've lived long enough, like a lot of us have in this room here today, you know that we're always having to face fear. Fear is a real deal. I saw a sign on the wall this week that simply said this, check this out. It said, don't let fear decide your future. Don't let fear decide your future. Fear, fear of taking a risk, fear of making changes in your lifestyle, fear of not having what it takes, fear of not being wanted, not being loved. We all have fear. Today, we're gonna to do something pretty simple. We're gonna look at three stories, three stories, three people really, who almost let fear destroy their lives until something happened. So if you have a Bible with you today, we're gonna to look at these stories in the New Testament, these three stories. And the first story is found in the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So if you have a Bible, open it to Luke chapter seven. If not, you'll see the passage on the screen in front of you. Luke 7, 36 is our first story. Check it out. It says, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Pharisees were the religious hotshots of the day. Pharisees had it all figured out. Pharisees were respected. Pharisees were feared. Pharisees 
were the religious right or maybe the religious wrong of the day. But they were threatened by Jesus. They were curious. Many of them were attacking him, but this Pharisee invited him over to have dinner, a formal, formal dinner. So they invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house, Jesus did, and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She heard. She heard story. Someone told her, hey, listen, this Jesus, this new radical revolutionary rabbi is having dinner at Simon the Pharisee's house in a formal dinner. And this woman, a sinful woman, as the text will tell us, a, a streetwalker, a person probably filled with a lot of public and private shame and guilt, someone with a heavy past, gets the news that this Jesus is in her area and is having dinner in this house. Fear? You think she struggled with fear? Fear of rejection, fear of men, fear of intimacy? Fear of not being in the club, fear of being judged? You ever been afraid to go into a, a meeting or a certain party or gathering and someone's gonna be there? A lot of people you don't know and you know you're gonna feel awkward. You don't know if you're gonna be wearing the right things. You don't know what to say. Imagine that situation times about, oh, I don't know, 50? That's where this woman was in our first story. What is she going to do? What will happen next? <laughs> Hold on to that. Let's look at our second story, our second person we find in the Gospel of Mark. So beep, beep, go backwards a little bit in reverse to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We find our second story, our second person who's a, who could have their life really just crumbled in fear. So it says, then they came to Jericho. They were really passing through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. These are, you know, a few days before Jesus Christ would be betrayed and crucified. No one knows that now. They're going through Jericho. Jesus' disciples are there together with a large crowd. They were leaving the city and a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Bartimaeus, a beggar, just holding up a sign, holding out a tin cup. I need help. I need money. Because I'm blind, I can't see. Just another one of the many street people in that town that people just drive on by, ignore, and look down into their phone at the stoplight. Bartimaeus, we all know blind Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus hears something. He hears a 
commotion. He hears that there's a big crowd coming near him and he hears people calling out perhaps his name, Yeshua, Jesus. Hey, maybe this is the Yeshua I've been hearing about. And Bartimaeus, who's lived in fear his whole life because to have a job back then, you had to have physical labor. And when you're blind, you can't do physical labor. So you're cast out into the streets to beg. So every day, Bartimaeus wondered, he lived in fear of his life. Will he be beaten up? Will he be robbed? Will he get enough money in his cup? Will his sign work so that he can make it through another day? Will he actually live? He's in a place of desperation and frozen and trapped by these very real fears. Three stories, three people, but the first two people we see seem to be a little bit different, but they're not different, they're just like you and like me. Because we're united with them in their, in their fear, their fear. The woman, the woman who had a sinful past and led a sinful life, who had a heavy burden of her past and couldn't move forward in life. We've all lived a sinful life. We've all broken God's law. We all know what it's like to have the weight of the past bearing down upon us. A blind man, yes, but a blind man who's in desperation. He, He's in a desperate situation. We've had times in our life and seasons in our life where we felt this sense of desperation and these fears get inside of us. And these fears start to control us. These fears that keep us up at night. These fears that prevent us from stepping out, taking that leap, taking that risk, taking that chance. Fear of a difficult conversation fear of changing your life, fear of taking a stand, fear can be demoralizing, fear can be paralyzing. Fear. Are, are you allowing fear, are we allowing fear to control our lives? to stop us in our tracks, to prevent us from doing what God would have us to do in this moment, in this situation. Fear. Are we letting fear call the shots? Are we allowing fear to decide our future? What happens next? What happens next? Let's, let's go back to our first story. We have three stories, three people here. Let's go back and see what happens to the woman in Luke chapter number seven. Oh, a lot of us here can remember. We, we know what happens. Jesus is at the party at Simon's house, this Pharisee, this religious leader, this power broker, and this lady from the streets with a big past and shame and guilt 
She's not invited, but she says, hey, this is my chance. So she barges into Simon's house. She walks into the middle of this party, this dinner, uninvited. She had bought this expensive perfume. She gets down on her knees and pours this perfume out on Jesus' feet. She cries and weeps and tears drip down from her face onto the feet of Jesus. She dries his feet with her hair. And Simon, this religious leader, says to himself, this Jesus. If this Jesus really was the Messiah, if he really was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was touching him right now. And Jesus says, Simon, I want to tell you a story. There, about a money lender that had two different debts he was collecting on. One guy owed him $500, the other guy owed him $50. He forgave both debts. Simon, which guy will love the money lender more? And Simon says, well, the one who was, you know, forgiven the biggest debt. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. He said, you know, when I came into your house today, Simon, you didn't even provide water to wash my feet, but she has been washing my feet with her tears. You didn't even give me a kiss, and she's been kissing my feet and anointing my feet with perfume. And then he said this to Simon and to the woman. Look at it. Look down at Luke 7, verse 47. Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as great as her love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus said to the woman again, verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus, the Son of God, God on earth, reaches out to this broken, humble lady and restores her, forgives her, loves her, and gives her a new path and a new direction in life. You see, she realized this. In order to have a better future, you must quit trying to have a better past. Did you get that? In order to have a better future in your life, you've got to quit, stop trying to have a better past. Fear wants to keep you inside of your mind. Fear wants to keep you frozen. Fear wants to keep you looking over the edge of the diving board, frozen from the phone. Fear wants to keep you there. Fear hates action. Fear hates action. 
This lady was willing to take action. This lady was willing to barge into the party, barge into the place without an invitation and to break social custom and to break through her fears. Action. Fear hates action. So what happened to our second story, our second person, blind beggar Bartimaeus? Look at Mark 10 again, verse 47 following. It said, when he heard, the lady heard about Jesus of Nazareth, and now Bartimaeus heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him, shh, be quiet. But Bartimaeus, he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said, hey, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. So throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Soren Kierkegaard said, the crowd is untruth. The crowd is untruth. The crowd tried to keep Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, down. Be quiet. Shut up. Don't say a word. The crowd tried to keep the lady out with a heavy pass from seeing Christ. They wanted to keep him out. But Bartimaeus said, no, this is my chance. This is my one and only opportunity. I've heard stories about this Jesus. I've heard stories that he may be the Messiah. I've heard stories that deaf people can hear, that lame people can walk, and that blind people like me can see the light, that they can see this is my chance. The crowd will not quiet me. I will raise my voice. I will raise my voice louder. This is my moment. Jesus responds to him and Jesus speaks the word and he's healed and he sees again, he can see. And now he begins to follow Jesus on a new path in life and follow him down the road. Fear of the crowd, the fear of fitting in, the fear of embarrassing himself. He didn't care. He said, I am gonna do anything I can to get to Jesus. 
the sinful woman. I don't care about social custom. I don't care I wasn't invited. This is my opportunity. I've got to get near the feet of Jesus. Perhaps he will love me. Perhaps he will accept me. Perhaps he can forgive me and give me a new life. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you because when faith moves in, fear moves out, right? Faith and fear cannot be roommates. They can't be roommates. One has to go. What happened? Out of these stories we've looked at, the first story and the second story, what happened? These folks, they had a, a desire, and their desire, their desire to be with Christ and to meet him was greater than their fears. Don't let fear, don't allow fear to decide your future. Get honest, get real with God, get real with someone else and say, hey, here's what I'm afraid of. Here are the fears that I'm facing right now that are staring me down, that are pushing me out and do whatever it takes to push back, to break through and take those fears and lay them at the feet of Christ and receive his forgiveness and his healing and his power to face whatever it is you're going to in this moment. What if? What if the woman with the heavy past, the sinful woman, what if she wouldn't have walked through those doors and interrupted that dinner party? Where would she be now? What would her life would have been like if she would have allowed these fears to continue to crush her and to cripple her? Where would she be? The beggar, blind Bartimaeus, if he would not have shouted and shouted louder, if he wouldn't have faced his fears and cried out to Christ in this moment of desperation, he would still be blind. He would still be in the darkness. He wouldn't have known the saving, miraculous power of God. We can't allow fear to decide our future. Fear's really a, a Proverbs three problem, isn't it? Proverbs three is my, five and six is my, our family's verse. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not in thy own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't this kind of a Proverbs three situation? Fear is always saying, hey, lean on your own understanding. Lean on these circumstances. Lean on that, right? That's what fear wants you to do. But God says, no, trust me. Give your fears to me. 
Trust me, move forward, do what I am telling you to do. Take that leap, take that step because I can forgive you, I am with you and I will be with you all the way home. Faith, don't be scared by faith. I just don't have faith. We all have faith. Faith is simply trusting. Faith is refusing to lean into your fears and it's leaning into God, leaning into Christ for his forgiveness, his healing, and his direction. I can see some of you on the, on the back row Wondering what is wrong with him? Has he forgotten the third story? You said there are gonna be three stories. <laughs> there are gonna be three people who almost had their world crushed and destroyed by fear. Where's the third story? Who's the third person? It's you. you. It's me. Be that third person. Be the third person who's willing to work through your fears, break through your fears, and get to the feet of Christ. Get into his presence that he might change you, that he might empower you, that he may give you that ability to open your eyes so that you can follow him more clearly, more clearly in your schools, more clearly in your work, more clearly in your relationships, more clearly as you seek to get rid of the things that are weighting you down. Be the third story. Be the third person that says, I'm not gonna allow fear to decide my future. I'm gonna fight through these fears with the power of Christ. Daily. And watch him open new doors. And watch me walk a new path, a new direction in my life.